Hello curious people, welcome to Explaining Science to My Dad, the podcast where I try to provide intelligent answers to my dad's stupid questions. I'm Lily, a physics graduate and science communicator. And I'm Lloyd, Lily's dad, an English graduate with far fewer career prospects than my daughter and a man who does not know much about science. My dad is always asking me to explain some mental science concept to him, so we decided to make a podcast so that you can listen in on our silly science conversations. And I'm not going to be trying to tackle his questions alone. Thankfully, I've enlisted the help of some proper experts. So, Dad, big one today. What's today's question? Lily, what is quantum entanglement and why does it fry my brain? This one's been troubling you for a long time, hasn't it, Dad? It has, yeah. I saw a Reith lecture, like the BBC Reith lectures, must be 15 years ago now. I can't even remember who gave the Ruth lecture. It may have been your friend from uh, Manchester, Mr... Mr Brian Cox. Mr Brian Cox, or Dr Brian Cox. FYI, just cause in case there's a libel case, Brian Cox is not my friend. Apologies. He was Dr. my lecturer Cox. once. He was your lecturer. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, uh, the lecturer um, was talking about um, how uh, subatomic particles can become entangled such that they can be light years away from each other and still have an effect on each other. Um, and I read the uh, the Wikipedia article preparing for this and uh, was none the wiser. Although I did find the Einstein quote, because he was a bit unhappy about quantum entanglement, I think. Quantum anything. Uh, and uh, he, he, he has said the memorable phrase, spooky action at a distance. Spooky action at a distance. Which pretty yeah. much describes it to me. So I need you to explain it to me <laughs> and I need you to basically try and um, damp down my existential angst regarding this sure. particular question. I can definitely try that. Actually, I, I may bring you some more existential angst, but oh at least you'll understand oh where the angst is coming from. entanglement means let's take quantum out of the equation because quantum is where the spooky comes in okay but entanglement is something that you can explain in in what we would call a classical system something that's not quantum so if you think about flipping two coins yeah right there's four possible outcomes that you would expect in the world that we live in right you would expect heads heads tails tails heads tails or tails heads yep yeah so each of those if the if the coin was unbiased would have a 25% chance of happening. A quarter, one in four. Yeah. Yeah, because four outcomes. Yeah. Each is equally likely 25% chance yeah. of happening. But if we happen to live in a world where the states of flipped coins were entangled, then you might find that you never see a situation where you have two coins with the same face. So you never get heads, heads or tails, tails. And that's just the way things are in this in, in this, this hypothetical universe. Right. So that's the rule you're setting for the example. Yeah, exactly. And so what that means is that if you get heads first, you know you're going to get tails second. Right, okay, yeah. If you get tails first, you know you're going so to get heads So it messes with probability, second. right? Exactly. So what, what then happens is your coin flipped coin states are entangled with each other. 
because we know we know what the second one is going to be based on the first one. Yeah, so that's okay. entanglement explained. Yeah. You get it? Yeah, yeah. On board. Cool. Now we need to take that to a quantum level and uh, this is definitely the area where we need to call in an expert. Okay. So uh, I've got Virginia Siriano, who's a PhD student who works in experimental quantum computing. Wow. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. At University College London. And she's going to give us an introduction to quantum and quantum entanglement. Very good. My name is Virginia Siriano and I'm currently a PhD in UCL working in quantum physics. So I specifically do a try to build a quantum computer with uh, silicon transistors in an experimental way. Yeah, so quantum mechanics explains very small stuff. Uh, when you uh, focus on the particles that the atoms are made of, like electrons or the particles of light called photons, things work in a strange manner. They are at the same time a particle and a wave. So imagine I'm sending an electron and I'm measuring the position of the electron. I can measure the position as a point. However, if I prepare the same electron in the same state, again, I will measure that position again, and it would be in a different point. And if I repeat this experiment many, many times, I would get something that looks like like a pattern, like imagine a ripple of water in a lake. And this is kind of the basic of quantum mechanics in which these small particles, they function at the same time as particles and as waves. So this, is, this was already very striking. And then we come to the part of quantum entanglement in which we have this electron that acts in a way like a wave of probabilities. It's like in a fuzzy thing, uh, many states at once. And I can make it interact with another electron. So when I measure the first electron and I make it snap out of the fuzziness, then the other one snaps at the same time and the measurements are correlated between each other. So I cannot longer describe both electrons separately, but what I've measured in one depends on the other. So it's this weird way in which both of the electrons are in this, this is called superposition. So superposition of many states at once. And when I measure one, then the other, it's um, already snapped out of the fuzziness and it's also in another state that's correlated with the one I've measured. So Virginia, what Virginia referred to as fuzziness there. Not fuzziness. Not fuzziness, fuzziness. fuzziness. If we go back to my non-quantum example, the, the coin flips, then the fuzziness would have been all the possible outcomes. Yeah, so that's heads then tails or tails then heads Yeah. in, in that entangled. And in this example. case, it's where the electron is. Where yeah. the electron is, right. yeah. So, and, and that, that pattern corresponds to how the electron exists as a wave. So that's the, pa the And the pattern, the wave represents all its possible positions. All its possible positions. So, so we've got an electron. You can't really say it's there. You can say it could be in any of these places, yeah. and that looks like a wave. Exactly. So um, that's the funky thing about quantum particles. That's where we. In, that's where they become quantum. Essentially, most particles we we're like, I know it's there. Where you're sitting right now, 
I'm not like, oh, dad could be anywhere in the room right now. He's, yeah. he's, he's on a wave. Yeah, yeah. He's in a superposition of states. Yeah, yeah. You're, no, I'm you're very right much, there. I'm very much sat down. <laughs> you're very much sat down in your comfy chair. Um, but quantum particles exist in all possible states. And it's a superposition of all the possible outcomes, all those possible positions that you can measure. And that's the wave in the wave particle duality. So you have to describe the electron to describe it. You're actually describing it as, as a wave because it could be in any of these places. Yeah. Right. Until you measure it. Right. And until you actually try and find it. Yeah. Is so, that what measure means? Yes. So measure means... I, to, and to be fair, you... When I'm not looking at you, for all I know, you could be existing in all of your different quantum states. I could be in a different chair. I could be in any one of many chairs. <laughs> any one of many armchairs right. that you own. Um, but I'm measuring you because I'm looking at you. Yeah. yeah, I'm registering you. That's what measuring means. So what we but say by is... by looking at me, you're saying he's definitely in that armchair. Exactly. And he can't be in any other armchairs because yeah. I've seen him in that armchair. Yeah. Right. So we call the um, states, that wave, that yeah. the electron exists in before we measure it, the wave function. Okay. And when we measure it, we say the wave function collapses. Into a point. Into a single state. Right. Um, so coll collapsing the wave function is what happens when you measure something. Okay. All pretty weird. Because, yeah, but it, it is weird. But... It's weird because it's like we have some influence on the universe, right? It's like our measurement makes things happen. It's like the universe knows we're here. Okay, so the electron actually almost comes into existence such that you can see it. Yeah when we try and measure it yeah so if you if you okay this is not helping my existential I know. anyway as a spooky experiment where if you if you put an electron through a, a slit you yeah. diffract it and you and you don't measure it you basically trick the electron into thinking no one's looking at it um it will it will produce a wave pattern oh wow but if you measure it you can it, see that you that can you detect that you can detect because it, it hits a screen yeah. all of the possible outcomes hit a screen you get right. a, you get a wave pattern yeah and if you measure it, yeah. you just get one dot where the electrons hit. Okay. So it knows it's being measured. Right. Weird. Okay. And a lot of scientists thought it was really weird. And then entanglement made it weirder. Yeah. Because entanglement made it look like things that we really understand to be true, namely that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, might not be true. And that's where Einstein's spooky action at a distance comes in. Okay. He was calling it that because if one particle does something, and that means that the other other particle instantly does. So I, that, as this well. is what I don't get: is what's the relation between the two particles in this concept? They were coupled together. How? And then they were separated because um, I mean it's quite complicated. But electrons generally, a lot of particles generally exist in pairs. Right. Um, especially electrons, you'll have a spin up and a spin down. So if you've got electron. two electrons in a pair and you separate them somehow yeah. and you move one to the other end of the universe yeah. I know this isn't it and you do something you measure and you do that something first, to the first one, one it affects the other one immediately even though it's too far away for that signal to arrive so, so the reason Einstein hated it is because it looked like something some, some transmission was happening between those two particles that was faster than the speed of there's light there's some information being shared between the two particles yeah exactly All right. and for Einstein that was a lot because his whole theories of relativity are based on the fact that nothing yeah, yeah. travels faster yeah, yeah, than the speed yeah, yeah. of light. So the quantum, the entanglement is there. There is there is a, some kind of relationship between t these two particles yeah. in the real world, and then they are somehow separated. Yeah. But even after being separated, they are still entangled with each other yes. in terms of what states they're in. Yeah. Wow. Weird, right? 
weird, it's, right? It's, it's more than weird. It's, it's profoundly unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to let Virginia explain a little bit about uh, why it's weird. Einstein and some other people were very confused about this thing that the state of uh, small particles was not defined up to the point in which you measured it and the predictions that you could do were just probabilities. That was already really confusing. And Einstein uh, was trying, well, Einstein, Podolsky and Rosen were trying to find if there is something that quantum mechanics was lacking. And then trying to debunk quantum mechanics, they found about quantum entanglement. And they found it really, really striking because imagine you have, imagine there are balls. You have a ball that can, it's red and blue at the same time. And you make it interact with another ball that can, it's also red and blue at the same time. But uh, when you measure the first ball, if it's red, you know that the other one is going to be red. And if it's blue, the other one is going to be blue. Now imagine I can, I put very far apart those balls and then I measure the first ball. Then somehow the other, uh, it's also in the same color. And this has happened instantaneously and Einstein was super confused about it because he he based all his research on space and position and that something that happens at a given position cannot um, influence something else that's very very far without traveling um, and that's for a long time people thought that maybe quantum mechanics were lacking something um, but after that, there were several experiments and they, they proved that quantum entanglement was actually a thing, that these two things are like somehow joined by an invisible thread. And once you measure one thing, the state of the other is known. So that experiment that Virginia just mentioned, the Einstein-Podolsky-Rosen experiment. Such a great name. Uh, which is now used as evidence for the existence of quantum entanglement. Yeah. was ironically an experiment um, that was called in the press Einstein's attack on quantum theory. Oh, really? Because he attempted to use it to disprove quantum theory, or at least show that something was missing. So it was, it was quite a complicated experiment, but it essentially involved separating two particles that were entangled, two particles like I was talking about, yeah. a pair of electrons, a spin-up, spin-down So pair. separating them in some separating way. Separating them, um, and then showing that a measurement of one affected the other. Yeah. Um, the things they were measuring were quite complicated, so I won't go into that, but what the measurement of one did affect the other yeah. but einstein used that to say that quantum theory was incomplete because he said because it can't go this can't than... be happening faster than the speed of light so the outcomes of these measurements must in some way be predetermined so that wave function that we talked about he was essentially saying there's something wrong with thinking that the wave function collapses when right, we measure right, right. because it's clearly already collapsed because these already had an outcome right but that wasn't the case and uh was proven not to be the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and he called it a paradox. <laughs> Which is just in my, his way of saying, I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. said it's a paradox. It's harshing, my, it's harshing his mellow in the same way it's doing to me, right? Exactly, exactly. Although he he's got a bit considerably like, bigger. He couldn't, he was like, something travelling faster than the speed of light and human beings' measurements affecting the way that the universe behaves. Yeah. Which, which for a, a, a scientist, a physicist, whose entire kind of knowledge is based on the fact that 
things happen whether or not we like it and yeah. they just happen because of science the idea that a human being's mind is this where, is this, yeah is this where the phrase god does not play dice come from i think so yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it definitely yeah. is a quantum that related yeah. thing that phrase yeah. yeah um but it's not actually a paradox okay. and that's what people have have said since for a couple of reasons firstly because the two particles are initially not separated so they are together and then taken apart so in theory that they may have left some kind of imprint on each other we don't know exactly what, but people are saying that. People are going, you don't, you can't do it with two particles that are separated from the beginning. Mm. They have to be brought together and then they separated. Have have, they have to have had that relationship. With the yeah, beginning. exactly. And the example that people use a lot is if you had a pair of gloves and you put each hand in a glove in a box and you posted them halfway around the world, the person who opened the box with the right-handed glove in it would assume that the person, the other person had a left-handed glove. Right, yeah. And they would know that because... Yeah, because it says something about the glove. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's obviously probably more complicated than that, but yeah. there's that. And then the other reason we know it's not a paradox, and this is where the whole human beings having an effect on the universe is this gonna, thing is this gonna gets worry quite me? weird. Okay. I think it's going to trouble you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually know for certain what the outcome of the other state is until I get told. So I don't know for certain that the other person has a left-handed glove and I have a right-handed glove until they tell me they have you a left-handed glove. You can only infer glove. it. I can only infer it. Yeah. I can't confirm it's true. Yeah. And they have to, to for, in order for me to determine if the thing I have measured is related to their thing, Yeah. they have to communicate that to me in some way. And that communication has to happen slower than the speed of light. Yeah. So actually the confirmation of the entanglement does travel slower than the speed of light. Right. So I don't know that... What does that get us, though? Well, it, it tells us that the whole... The, the, the Einstein's issue, the spooky action at a distance, yeah. is not necessarily true because we don't know... Because the actual... We can't the, confirm it's true. Exactly. We don't know what's happened to the other one until someone tells us. And the only way to confirm it true is by travelling at less than, lower than the speed of light. Yeah, even if you rang someone up and called, called them the... So I guess it's, a, it's, it's analogous with the wave function again then, isn't it? It's not until you... you if, if you try and measure... If you try and confirm it by measuring it, you have to travel slower than the speed of light to, in, to, in order to do so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's kind of... There's all these wave functions going on and it's the idea that kind of everyone has a different point of reference... Right. At, and nothing can travel faster than that's the speed quite of light. A, yeah, that's quite a hard logic leap. It I'm is. I'm not sure I quite is. get it. I it's think I understand it, but okay. Yeah, I think I understand it. All right. Okay, fair enough. So you've got these two electrons. They've been separated. You measure the first one. So it, um, as, 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 as she said in her, uh, what she was talking about, it it's, loses its fuzziness. It comes yeah. into focus. At the point it comes into focus, the other electron, wherever it is, also, also comes, comes into, into the focus. But we can't confirm that it's come into focus without uh, travelling slower than the speed of light. light. So there is, so yeah, so there is an inference there. But that still, but that still suggests there is information being shared between the electrons at faster than the speed of light. We but just can't confirm. We don't it. know that. We could never know that. No. I mean, this is where the glove analogy is a bit rubbish because. Yeah, but I know there, but there, that the other person. But there's a relationship between. This, I think this is the thing that kind of I find spooky. The the, the relationship between the two electrons almost seems to be happening 
in another field altogether that is not subject to Einstein Einsteinian laws. That's yeah, what's yeah. spooky about and it, right? And that's why a lot of people think that maybe quantum mechanics is missing something. Um, and the thing that quantum entangle tells us, which is the toughest thing to get your head around, is that the world is affected by how we measure it. Yeah. And particles exist exist as waves until we measure them. Yeah. And our measurements and our interactions with the world around us potentially change the course of reality. And I'm going to finish off... <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> I'm going to finish off this recording by really blowing your mind. Yeah. One theoretical interpretation of this idea of me- measurement affecting, collapsing the wave function into a single point is... Um, that everything that can happen does happen. Have you heard that before? Yes. Uh, it's called the many worlds interpretation yes. of quantum mechanics. Everett. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Everett. And essentially um, what it says is that when we measure a quantum particle, it collapses from being a wave into a single state, but it collapses into all of the states. Yeah. And we only exist in the universe where one of them is measured. So it, the universe branches off at that point. At the moment we measure it. At the moment we measure it, the universe branches off and there's another version of me that's just measured it in a different position. So can we please stop measuring these things? <laughs> Basically, just stop measuring electrons because you're making too many universes. I, hope so. I hadn't realised. So it's actually the measuring moment that splits, yeah. splits reality. But, but what this interpretation leads us to is that there's, there's yeah. just an infinite number of universes branching off. Okay. There's a universe right now where you're sitting in the armchair downstairs. He was quite a troubled man. He was. I mean... You would be. You would be. I've been quite troubled ever since the last. His son's. Band. His son's. His son is Eels, the band. Oh really? Yeah, very good band. Um, Did you know that um, no one knows where eels come from? What do you mean? No one knows where eels come from. No one knows how eels reproduce. Okay. They don't have any sexual organs. That sounds like we should probably have a. It's going to be a podcast. It's been podcast. troubling me for days. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. Very good. Okay. Well, um, I'd like to say I'm reassured by that, but I'm not. No, quantum entanglement and quantum physics and quantum anything is not a reassuring field, to be no, honest. No. If, you, if you're looking for uh, comfort, certainty and assurance that the reality that you live in is, is the one true reality, mm. it's not the place to be. Stick with novels. Stick with books, Dad. Stick yeah. with books. Okay. Thanks for listening to Explaining Science to My Dad. Next episode, I'll be asking a question from a listener. Ah, first Shirley. listener question. Our first Shirley. listener question. Shirley Thank left you, us Shirley. a comment on our website, explainingsciencetomydad.com. Thanks, Shirley. And the question is, how do identical twins end up different? That's a good question, Shirley. It's a good question. If you want to say hello, think you can help me answer one of our questions. Or if you've got a question you want me to explain to Dad, like Shirley, you can email us on explainingsciencetomydad at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram using at expscience2dad. That's expscience2dad. And you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye. Explaining Science to My Dad was presented by Lily Shepherd and Lloyd Shepherd with music from Benjamin Vise. Special thanks to Virginia Siriano from University College London for her fantastic contributions.